Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Taylor. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Honey and Heart podcast. If you're new here, we talk about womanhood, leadership, and everything in between. We release new episodes every other Wednesday, and you can find us on Instagram at Honey and Heart Pod or our website, honeyandheartpod.com. There, you can sign up for our email list, and you'll get notified every time we have a new episode. If you're already a part of the Honey and Heart community, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Bo McDowell for our intro music and adding to the soundtrack that is Honey and Heart. He just released a new EP last month, so go check it out. (laughs) Sick. Shout out to Bo, only big things coming. And folks, let's get into this episode. It's an exciting one. So you'll probably be aware, based on the title and all the other context before you got to listening to this episode, but we had our first ever guest on Honey and Heart, which we're so excited. We're definitely going to be doing more of this, like we've said, and we can't wait for you guys to hear. We kicked it off. Inaugural guest is quite a big one, Nicole from Dope Kitchen. Queen of cooking and toking on TikTok and Instagram. Taylor and I fell in love with her on TikTok. We'll get into more with the episode. But we chatted with her about fitness, food, cannabis, and mental health, and it was a great combo. So let's get into it. All right, everyone. Today on the podcast, we have our first ever guest. Please welcome Nicole from Dope Kitchen. Nicole is a dope chef and she's usually toking while cooking. Her platform includes uh, conscious consuming of cannabis, uh, health, fitness, mental health. Um, Taylor and I both found our way to Nicole and Dope Kitchen on TikTok. Is there anything else, Nicole, that you want to touch on? How would you sum up Dope Kitchen? Yeah, I think Dope Kitchen is um, just my platform to share how to have a fun, balanced life, how to love yourself through conscious consumption of weed and nourishing your body through good food and treating your body well through joyful fitness. So you pretty much nailed it with all of the little things that you talked about. So so yeah, that's Dope Kitchen in a nutshell. I first came across Dope Kitchen about a year ago, as I mentioned on TikTok, but your platform definitely spans onto Instagram as well. People can catch you. Is it just at Dope Kitchen? Uh, On TikTok, it's at Dope underscore Kitchen. And on Instagram, it's at Dope underscore underscore Kitchen. So a couple of underscores in there because (laughs) Dope Kitchen was taken. Well, you've made the most of it even with those underscores. (laughs) I recently rewatched your, I think you reposted it of like, you hit your one year on TikTok and like at your name of your brainstorming of how it came to be. But what inspired you to just start creating the content you've been making? It was kind of a sad little accident. I think everyone was going through some sort of existential crisis at the very beginning of quarantine last year. Um, So for me, I had been cooped up in my little studio apartment in Santa Monica, which is only about like 450 square feet. It's pretty small. Haven't seen another human in a couple of weeks and was just driving myself nuts. 
So I needed something to do to motivate myself to get out of bed. So uh, at the time, it was around around Easter. And for Easter every year, back on the East Coast where my family is from, my little Italian grandma loves to make regolta pie. So I decided to do that. And I made a recipe that reminded me of home since I couldn't be there. I decided to get really stoned while doing it. And I filmed it just for my friends. I had only had plans to post it on my personal Instagram story. And when I shared it with my friends, some of them encouraged me to post it on TikTok. And initially I thought, no, I don't want to do that. That app is for 13-year-olds. It's just kind of weird. I also wasn't sure if I was comfortable sharing my cannabis use publicly on a platform that is especially designed for younger people. So um, I did it anyway, and I closed the app, and several hours later, I opened the app up again, and I had probably 18,000 views on my very first ricotta pie video. I was a little shocked to see that much engagement, but it's silly because that amount of video views is very small compared to what I get now (laughs) on my content, but it was still kind of exciting. People laughed at the content. People wanted more. So I just kept making a few more. And it took a couple of months for me to get into the groove of making content because I really did not have the intention to become a content creator. This was all just kind of an accident. And uh, when I noticed that a lot of people were just really enjoying my content, people wanted to learn more about me beyond just the silly TikTok stoned cooking videos. I started to share a little bit more of my life, both on TikTok and Instagram, and it just kind of took off. I have a background in social media marketing, and um, I've done some content creation for brands in the past. So my previous career helped me kind of launch this wonderful platform. And my goal and my mission now is just to be the most genuine version of myself and be as genuine as possible in all of the content that I share with people because I truly do care about the impact that I make on people every day, the information that I share with people. I want people to know that this is a very safe and welcoming space that you can talk about anything that you, you want to talk about with Dope Kitchen and our little community. So I'm, you know, I'm just really proud of the growth that I've had and the connections that I've made with my followers over the last year and a couple of months. And it's been really exciting to watch it grow. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like you definitely, I mean, all those things that you said, like, uh, convey so perfectly through your videos, but they also feel like polished. Like, (laughs) it's funny because they feel real and authentic, but you can also tell like you've put the work into them and they also just feel like professional. <laughs> and so it's a funny combination, but Jacqueline and I were talking uh, on a, one of our last episodes about how like TikTok too, both of us like felt so weird, even starting an account to start like watching videos. But of course we weren't going to like pay for Quibi at the start of the <laughs> pandemic. And now I feel like it's really changed and uh, how people are using it. And just the content people are creating and it's definitely not for teenagers anymore. And it's cool that, um, I mean, how wild was it to wake up and just have a following like right away? I mean, it was very strange and it happened pretty slowly. I think in the first two months or so of me creating content, I only gained about 20,000 followers, which is still a pretty big number, but I hadn't really churned out a lot of content in those first few months. And then I had one post go pretty viral and it quickly 
brought my following up to about 100,000. And then it just kept growing from there. And what I struggle with now is just consistently making content. And I'm trying to be better at that because I, I love doing it. But, you know, life gets in the way and a lot of things happen. And as you mentioned, my videos look very polished. And that's because they are. I spend a lot of time making sure that I'm getting the right shots, which as you can imagine, while I'm stoned is actually pretty hard. So <laughs> it, it takes me a while to film. And then it takes me a while to ingest all of the videos and scrub through all of my footage and edit everything so that it like fits the style that I've um, embodied in my content over the last year. I think a lot of people can also see a little bit of an evolution in my content. And in the next couple of months, I hope to be sharing a lot more. Um, so that I can connect with even more people outside of the food space. But um, it, it definitely was a bit of a shock to realize that I have over half a million people following me on TikTok <laughs> and so many thousands of people watching my stories every day on Instagram. It's so strange to have that audience and that connection with people, but I'm really grateful for the opportunity to connect with people like that. Absolutely. And not to blow too much smoke, but as a person who is an Instagram follower, I think you really do do a good job of creating that open communication, even just seeing the way you respond to people's stories. And it almost seems like you and your followers have inside jokes. And I think that's really rad. Talking about your process now that you're like a year in, how do you how did you feel like you found your voice where at in the year of Dope Kitchen, did you really feel like this is my perspective, this is my voice, or is it even still evolving? I definitely think it's still evolving. There's a lot that I want to share more of on TikTok that I don't share now, like my hiking adventures and my discussions about mental health. I would love to bring more of that discussion to TikTok. So I feel like my TikTok voice is still kind of evolving a little bit, but my Instagram story voice has matured quite a bit because I don't, I don't know, it's just so easy to hop on Instagram stories and just be very raw and real with my audience. And that's how most people really get to know who I am beyond just the cooking content. But in terms of my cooking content, I think it took me several months to really understand what my style is. Um, like I love how fast paced all of my cuts are in my videos because it's meant to be chaotic. A lot of other food creators create these really beautiful videos where it's a little more slower paced. They're explaining a little bit more about the process. It's beautifully shot. But for me, I want people to, to feel how chaotic the cooking process is while I'm just stoned and having fun in my kitchen and the editing style that I've adapted over the last year really contributes to that chaotic feeling. And if you notice, I also use the same song for most of my cooking videos. And it's it's called like monkey spinning or something. On <laughs> okay. If you are familiar with the TikTok audio sounds and that sound just screams chaos to me. And I just love <laughs> the vibe that it adds to my videos. So I've, I've definitely honed in on my style of editing and uh, the way I create content on TikTok, but there's still so more to, to my personal story that I want to share more of on TikTok. And um, in the coming months, I'll be creating a lot more content that shows a little bit more about who I am. Awesome. I think there's something like so relatable about how you show cooking, especially as someone who's stoned 90% of the time that I'm cooking as well. It's just... It can be such a chore sometimes for people to like figure out what to eat and like what to make. I mean, 
or even like making a grocery list is exhausting sometimes. And the way that you show it of like not being so polished or put together, but just everything you make looks freaking delicious too. Like I eat mostly vegan, but I remember the salmon burger that you made that I was just like mouth watering watching it. (laughs) And yeah, it just seems so relatable how you portray everything. For sure. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. And, And And I think, too, Jacqueline and I kind of talked on our last episode about how we feel like, probably because we spend too much time on TikTok, but it's, like, started to, like, reprogram us a little bit and how we, like, view our own, like, body image. And I think you're one of the creators that's influenced that for me, just in how you talk about exercise and your approach to it and just sharing how badass it is to be a strong woman. And so I don't really know where I was leading into a question with that. I have a perfect question for this. Thank you. So I think this parlays really well. You've said that on your TikTok, you want to share more about your fitness journey. But as somebody who follows you on both platforms, fitness, movement um, seem to be a really big part of your life and also a really big aspect of like how and why you cook, as well as your mental health journey. So how did you get into that? It seems like your two main areas of focus are like backpacking and lifting. Did it start off there? How did you get there? And what's your relationship with exercise? Sure. When I was younger, I was a dancer for about 14 or 15 years. And I think anyone who comes from a dance background understands how toxic it can be sometimes, especially in relation to body image. Um, I was a tall, super tall, lanky girl, and I didn't really have great body awareness. And I just didn't have the body type to be a dancer like professionally or to succeed even on a college dance team or anything. So I kind of just felt like I was doing something just because, you know, it was the path that my parents put me on when I was three years old. I didn't really have too much of a choice. I just was put into dance class and that was all I knew for my entire childhood. So when I got to college, I started to just explore other areas of fitness I got into rowing when I was a freshman, and rowing was kind of the perfect sport for my body type. I'm really tall. I have long arms and long legs and a naturally pretty strong body, and it was just such a really great way to to move my body and also to build camaraderie with a team that all needed to work in sync together and work hard to move a boat across a river. So that was, it was an incredible sport, but it was also really hard to wake up at 4.30 a.m. every day as a college student while I still had a massive workload of all my schoolwork. So that didn't really last too long. So toward the end of my college career and in the first half of grad school for me, I got really into running. Again, I was not very good, but it was still just a fun thing to do for my fitness and overall health. And it was a really great low cost way for me to move my body. I ran a couple of half marathons. I ran one full marathon in Pittsburgh. That was kind of like my goodbye to the city. That's where I went to school. And I promised myself I would never run another marathon. And I have stuck to that promise. That was really difficult. (laughs) But beyond that, when I moved to LA in 2014, that's when I kind of got into CrossFit, but I really only got into CrossFit 
as a gateway into Olympic lifting. I kind of hated CrossFit. It wasn't really for me, but I just so desperately wanted to learn how to Olympic lift. I remember coming across a couple of Olympic lifters on Instagram when Instagram videos were back when they were 15 seconds and they were brand new to the platform. And I saw videos of people lifting and thought it was just the coolest, most badass and beautiful movement I've ever seen. Um, So when I moved to LA, I eventually found my way to a gym that had a barbell club. So a dedicated coach for Olympic lifting with a team of people who were committed to working out and following an Olympic lifting program for, you know, four to five days a week. So when I joined that, I had zero lifting experience at all. I had never done an Olympic lift before. I just had this drive and passion and intense desire to learn. And that's what fueled the start of my strength training journey is just seeing an Instagram post of people lifting and finding a coach in my area who could help me learn and a strong community to support me. And what I found is that the lifting community, no matter what type of strength sport you're in, whether it's powerlifting, Olympic lifting, or even strongman, it's the most welcoming and safe community. I think a lot of women, especially if they're, you know, trying to get into some sort of strength training, but doing it on their own, especially at a Globo gym, like a 24 hour fitness, Planet Fitness, LA Fitness, and that kind of thing. It can be really intimidating to do it on your own and super intimidating to walk into a gym when there are a bunch of bros doing their bicep curls in a squat rack. But going to a, a more of a boutique gym that might be geared towards strength sports, of course, their membership is going to be a little more expensive, but it is so worth the money because of the skills that you learn the competition. Um, You can be brand new to the sport and have zero natural strength, but being around people who are really strong and competitive can be, you know, really inspiring to push yourself a little bit harder and try to, you know, feed off of the energy of other people who have more experience in the sport that you're trying to learn. And it's just so welcoming. It's such a welcoming community because people always want to grow whatever strength sport they're in. Strength sports are not always super popular, but I mean, powerlifters are always trying to recruit other people, especially women, to join the sport. And Olympic lifting has grown so much because of CrossFit over the last, you know, decade or so. And it's just really great to see these strength sports become a lot more popular and to see how many women have embraced strength sports. And what I just try to convey on my channel is that strength sports don't have to be scary. They don't have to be a male-dominated sport. Anyone can do them, um, no matter what your background is. And it's a really fun, amazing way to challenge your body in a way that you probably never have before. And building muscle is just so good for your entire body. And it's you know, it's benefited my mental health so much just to get physically stronger. And that physical strength kind of transfers over into my mental strength. And um, I think about whenever I'm going through a tough time, I think about all of the tough things that I've put my body through before, and I've come out on the other end, and I'm okay. And I apply that to my way of thinking as well. So it's kind of my long winded (laughs) um, fitness journey. But I guess right now I'm I'm more focused on just finding joyful ways to move my body. I'm not looking to compete in strength sports anymore. I've done powerlifting for the last couple of years. And now I'm just kind of, you know, taking some fun classes at my gym, hiking a lot more and backpacking. 
and, you know, just trying to get out and enjoy nature and enjoy life and put my body through difficult things every now and then. Yeah, that's awesome. I was a dancer too, same, basically, you know, my whole life. And then once I stopped dancing, it was really hard to like find what movement is like type of movement to be interested in. And then also like, you know, as women, I feel like a lot of times we're told to exercise like to look a certain way. And that's definitely been, like, my experience going to, like, certain CrossFit gyms. Like, I remember trying out one that had, like, you know, hashtag aesthetics on the wall. And I'm like, you know, that's not what I'm here for. Was there any, like, sort of hump for you to get over with that of, like, reframing how you look at exercise? A little bit. I I knew that my goal was to just get strong. I didn't really care about aesthetics that much. I mean, in in some ways I did because I saw all of these really jacked women on Instagram lifting the way that I wanted to lift. And I was like, damn, they look badass as fuck. I want to look like <laughs> that. But as I started getting into the sport, the goal became less about aesthetics and more about performance. Like I wanted to learn how to lift as much as possible with the best technique possible and just be part of an environment that was really supportive. And that's kind of where nutrition came into play. Instead of trying to eat as few calories as possible to make myself as small as possible, I started to realize through more and more sessions in the gym that what I put into my body was directly going to impact how I felt in the gym or how I performed in the gym. So I actually hired a nutrition coach in my first year of lifting just so I could understand what kind of nutrients my body needed or how to break down my macronutrients um, to understand how much protein I should be eating or how many carbs and fat I should be eating. And that was really helpful for me just for a few months of kind of one-on-one education with someone who is well-versed in nutrition and who understood the sport of weightlifting really well. So nutrition at that time was just kind of my start to learning how to cook and make healthier things for myself instead of just ordering pizza and burgers all the time. But other than that, I I never had too many like body image issues throughout my lifting journey because the goal was really just to be as strong as possible. And of course, like I'm I'm a normal person like everyone else. I have body image struggles all the time. Even now, I don't work out as intensely as I used to. And I definitely see the difference in my body. I see things that are a little softer than they used to be. And that's okay. I'm trying to remind myself that I'm just on a very different journey. My priorities look completely different than they did even two years ago or five years ago. So fitness is just a constant journey and things are going to change depending on what stage you are in your life. And I'm just currently in this stage where I'm trying to figure out how to make Dope Kitchen my full-time gig. (laughs) It's a lot of time. It's taking away a little bit of energy from the whole fitness thing. But I try to do my best to just stay positive and do what I can to move my body to make me happy. I think that that's such an important takeaway. And I think we, Taylor and I have talked about this. We recently just had an episode out where we talked about body image just really specifically like within internet culture. But I feel like a couple of things, 
one, when you put yourself on such a strict regimen and you make it binary, like you're either doing it or you're not, you're not allowing yourself any flexibility for the ebbs and flows that come with life. And sometimes you can be in a stable enough place where you can just go, go, go. But I think it's important to remain open to new opportunities like you are. And I think that's very exciting. And additionally, one thing I wanted to mention too, just with like food and fitness, we've talked about this, Taylor and I, how for a lot of people, unfortunately, it seems like fitness is almost like the, or exercise is almost like the punishment for food. Like you eat and then you work out to make up for what you ate. But I think that getting to a place where there are two things that help your body and they both work together to move you forward. And I do think that there's a new uh, wave coming on the Internet and it's with people, similar platforms to yours. who are really pushing that message. And it's something that I personally am thankful for. For sure. Yeah. I I definitely feel that there's a lot more of a healthy conversation around fitness and nutrition, especially on TikTok. I think TikTok is just a really wonderful platform where positive information can spread to the right people. And especially with a lot of young people on the app, I think those of us who are a little bit older, who know that we're reaching some younger people, understand the impact that social media has on their mental health and their their way of thinking. So we're just doing our best to make sure that we're spreading the most positive, impactful information to young people as possible. And, and I feel like, you know, my own message is to make sure that people understand that there's no one way of fitness that is superior to another. Sometimes my preferred way of fitness is just going for a long walk. And sometimes it's, you know, hitting a ton of sets of squats in the gym and just making my legs super sore. It's whatever you feel most comfortable doing and whatever makes you feel happiest but movement is just so important for both your mental and physical health and nourishing your body with things that are going to make you physically feel really good, but also allowing yourself to have the treats that are maybe something that you used to restrict or you used to feel guilty about just knowing that food is neutral. And there are certain nutrients, of course, that you should be eating more of, like everyone should be eating more vegetables, keeps you regular and gives you all (laughs) the vitamins and minerals that you need, you know, but, Mm -hmm. um, but have that piece of cake and don't feel bad about it. And it's a long journey to understanding that it's okay to eat whatever it is that you want that makes you feel good in that moment. It's not something that happens overnight, but I just try to convey that it's it's just so important to have a balance with both fitness and re- nutrition and getting rid of any fear of how calories will impact your body or getting rid of the thought that fitness is only meant to be a punisher for whatever it is that you ate. Once you kind of get rid of that mindset and treat both fitness and nutrition as something that's really joyful and necessary for your body, then you can develop a a much stronger relationship with food over time. Yeah. And I feel like your page is the total embodiment of what you, that last sentence you just said, like you, you do a great job of making like the wide range of recipes that you show and then not assigning, you know, good or bad to any sort of foods and just showing it all has been really fun to watch and really cool to, for, for our, you know, 
mental health too, <laughs> just to see somebody else creating that and um, just framing it in a different way than maybe we frame it in our own heads, you know? Well, that's great. I'm glad that exact message that I'm trying to convey is actually <laughs> being successfully interpreted by my audience. So continue. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this could just be a focus group of if you're hitting your marks and we'll yeah, right. <laughs> oh, just recipe wise, where do you get your inspiration? Sometimes it's just from, you know, eating out at restaurants or um, most recently, a lot of my recipe inspiration has come from some of the meal kits that I've reviewed. I'm like, ooh, I really liked that one meal that I got from that one box. And I want to learn how to create my own so I can just do it whenever I want. So I just make my own version. And, you know, I follow a ton of other food creators, both on Instagram and TikTok. I am always drawing inspiration from what's trending and what they're doing. But I also just know the flavors that I really love. And my recipes are usually very meal preppable recipes. So I just try to do things that um, incorporate flavors that I really love, vegetables that are in season and that I really love, and just try to put it together into a dish that can easily be like portioned out into some Tupperware and microwaved later. So yeah, I, I just kind of draw my inspiration from everywhere, just whatever I feel tastes good or whatever I've experienced at a restaurant or through someone else's cooking. And I just find a way to put my own spin on it or package it up into a meal that's different than what else is whatever else is out there. And uh, of course, the personality that I add to my recipes is probably the icing on top of the cake. But yeah, that's it. I have a question. Do you have any like background in the service industry? Were you ever like a chef anywhere or a cook anywhere? Because it definitely seems like you've got a good amount of skill with the passion that you're putting behind it. Like you're making beautiful plates, you're prepping things gorgeously. So I'm just wondering if was there any like training or anything happening there? (laughs) There's no training at all. Um, I, (laughs) I kind of just taught myself. I like to joke that my mom is kind of a terrible cook and I didn't really learn many skills growing up. Um, the only thing that like my parents cooked much of when I was younger was like pasta and a homemade Italian, we call it gravy, but it's a pasta sauce, a tomato based sauce. And we made a lot of like homemade meatballs, homemade sausage, like any <laughs> hardcore Italian food that adds an old grandma would make. That's what I ate growing up. So there wasn't a lot of variety. And when I got to college and entered grad school, I was just exposed to so many different cuisines from around the world. I grew up in Rhode Island, and it's not a very diverse place, both in terms of people and in terms of the food offerings. So moving to a new place and experiencing culture from the eyes of other people and being able to try new types of cuisines at different restaurants really gave me the inspiration to start learning how to cook on my own. And um, it took a long time to learn cooking techniques. And I feel like it's still something that I'm continuing to develop as I experiment with more TikTok recipes. I love to read food blogs and watch YouTube videos and try to understand the best way to cook things. Um, And it's all just, you know, a learning process. It's a trial and error. Sometimes I fail when I try filming a recipe video. Sometimes I like to show those fails. Like if you saw my recent macaron video, I'm not a baker at all. Uh, (laughs) 
but it's but it's just fun to you know try new things and it's okay to fail once in a while but that's just the process of being a home cook um you have to you know do some research and trial and error a lot of different things and eventually you'll understand the best technique for cooking and now i used to hate chicken breast because i was terrible at cooking chicken breast but now i actually really like it because i've just found a technique that works for me and adds a lot of flavor to just a plain boring chicken breast and now i have a lot of fun with cooking with it i'm hoping to get there um (laughs) uh also Quick follow-up question. How often do you meet another person from Rhode Island? Not often at all. (laughs) It's the smallest state, right? Yeah. And I feel like most people stay living with their parents until they're in their mid-20s and then they get married and just stay there forever. And I was just like, peace out. I don't want to be there anymore. So I haven't lived there since I was 18. but, But yeah, I don't meet many people from Rhode Island at all. Yeah, well, I was thinking about how I hate when people sit, like watch some videos on the internet and they're like, oh, I could do that. And you're just like, you know, especially, you know, creating any sort of content, you realize how much work and effort goes into that. And you kind of mentioned that earlier. Has it been difficult to like find a flow or just to... I don't know, just to like really stay in it. Like, I feel like sometimes it takes so much creative energy and like, at least for us on our end, like editing is not like a fun process. (laughs) It's editing is probably one of the more time consuming tasks on my plate. And my followers know that I also have a full-time job. So it's really hard for me to juggle both working a nine to five plus trying to take care of myself both physically and mentally, plus trying to create content to push out to the people who want to see more content. And I have a lot of fun with take with making content, but I do get burnt out pretty easily. And I did take a break at some point in April and early May where I just wasn't making content at all. I was maybe talking about my mental health a little bit on my Instagram stories, but that's pretty much the only point of engagement that I had with my audience. And you know, it was really inspiring to do that, actually, because I feel like a lot of people really felt less alone with uh, the fact that I was talking about my own mental health struggles, and they were going through something too. And I think it's really important in terms of people who are struggling with mental health to just use their voice and try to connect with people or connect with anyone who will listen. And I really appreciate the people who listened to me when I was going through a really tough time. Of course, I wasn't sharing specifics of what I was going through with my audience because I don't think that is appropriate and it's not necessary for me to share. But just the simple act of sharing that I was struggling um, really helped me feel like I had a solid support system in my own followers. And it eventually gave me the energy to start creating content again. But now, you know, I've mentioned a couple times that I'm working on creating a lot of different content, not just food stuff, and hopefully creating a lot more content in the coming months. And the thought of that is very daunting because I've never really had a solid process for creating content in the past. I just kind of do it when I have the time and I edit when I have the time. And I'm sure my audience notices that I don't really post super consistently the way that some other content creators do. I'll maybe find some time to publish one or two videos per week, but I'm really trying to ramp that up a little bit more, have a more rigid schedule, be more on top of my editing, 
plan the specific days when I'm going to film and try to write my recipes well ahead of time so that I feel more prepared. Um, like it, it is definitely a full production and a single video can take anywhere between six to eight total hours um, from the you know conception of the recipe idea to filming to editing um, and publishing and even just responding to all of the comments that I get on videos. It's a really long process for a single video. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those content creators that can just hop on TikTok and record something on the fly because <laughs> food content is just a whole different beast. But, you know, it's a, it's a long process and I'm just trying to figure out my best flow and figure out a, a good process for me to continue balancing all areas of my life. And of course, I, I would love to turn this into my full-time gig so that I can totally focus on it and have a more refined process but it's a process to get to the process and it's difficult, but I appreciate all of the support that I've ever gotten yeah. from followers and even close friends and family who, who cheer me on along the way. That's awesome. I feel like honestly, you know, there's those like social media people that say like you need to be posting like once a day or once a week or whatever. But I feel like, especially I don't know if your audience feels this way I mean we're kind of your audience but like I you know I don't really care like I feel like it's more relatable like to not be on such a rigid schedule too and to just share that like how you have that you're human and sometimes this is a lot (laughs) to deal with is just so much more relatable than you know pumping out content even when you know you don't feel like it And I was wondering, too, like, because I guess some people would consider you controversial. Do you receive, but I feel like TikTok does a good job of, like, showing videos to, like, your type of people. But have you, like, gotten any hate (laughs) on any of your videos? Have you ended up on the wrong side of TikTok by anything? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ended up on the wrong side of TikTok. I have gotten some hate, though. And that's what kind of forces me to take a little break because 99% of the comments I get and the DMs I get are so positive and supportive. And they're from people who really love and appreciate my content and know what I stand for. But every once in a while, someone new will come across a piece of content and say something really mean and really hurtful. And it comes as a bit of a shock to me because it's just not something that I'm used to hearing. And sometimes it causes me to just take a step back and think about like, is this something that I really want to do? Do I truly enjoy being in the public eye as a content creator? And I I listen to a lot of other content creators talk about the pressure that they feel um, or any self-consciousness that they feel when they get kind of attacked or get insulted by some random person on the internet. And I kind of have to just remind myself that that person is not putting themselves out there. They're not putting a lot of time and effort into making really awesome content that makes someone feel good. Um, But I am like, I'm, I'm putting in a lot of work and I've made a really positive impact on so many people. So I have to just keep reminding myself that I've, made content that has such a positive impact on people. I've gotten messages from people that say that my way of thinking or my content has helped them change their way of thinking. And it's started to change their life, their relationship with food, their relationship with their bodies, et cetera. So 
I'm I'm just constantly reminding myself of all the good that has come out of being a content creator and trying not to let the hate get to me. But I mean, sometimes it still does. And I I try not to, but it it sucks when it does. But I I do have to remind myself that so much more positivity has come out of this than negative things. Yeah, definitely. That reminds me, I think Brene Brown like always uses this like Teddy Roosevelt quote, which I'll definitely butcher right now. But it, it talks about like how if you're not in, in the arena, like, you know, blood, sweat and tears, then I really don't care what you have to say <laughs> because you're sitting on the sidelines. So exactly. I love that quote. Yeah, it's easy for people to be critical when they're on the outside. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask to you know, we've talked about food and fitness, and those are two things that really tie into like your mental health and your routine and helping you like navigate things and continue to be uh, forward moving and creative. But it also seems like weed and marijuana are a part of that process as well. How do you be like a conscious consumer of weed? Um, How is it? How does it play in your life really as much as you're willing to share on that? Sure. I think I've first started consuming weed just as a fun thing. Like I wanted to just get high with my friends, but the more experience I gained with using cannabis, the more I realized the importance of being a conscious consumer and recognizing your own privilege, especially when I started my TikTok. Um, I had no idea that my TikTok would blow up as much as it did and gain such a big audience, but I told myself at the start of this TikTok journey that I would use my platform to spread a positive message of being a responsible cannabis user. And I, I may not talk about it too much, but but I do try to remind people that we have a, a, a huge privilege to be consuming cannabis in the way that we do, especially in places where it's recreationally legal and you can walk into a store that feels like the Apple store of weed, purchase whatever you want and walk out sometimes smoke outside in your neighborhood and not get in trouble for it. Whereas, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people were easily getting handcuffed and thrown into jail with huge like sentences in in prison just for the possession of a tiny little bit of marijuana. So I recognize my privilege as a white woman who is able to create cannabis-related content on the internet. And I just try to spread some resources and knowledge about things that people can do to give back to, you know, organizations that are working to fight against these outdated drug policies. So, and I work with some cannabis companies that are also trying to use their privilege to give back to those organizations as well. PazPax is one of my partners. They create a lot of CBD products and they often give a lot of their profits back to those organizations that are working to fight these outdated policies. So I I really care about making that the forefront of my mission um, is to just make sure that people understand that responsible cannabis use starts with recognizing your privilege as a cannabis user. And beyond that, um, I like to talk about cannabis in relation to mental health taking tolerance breaks. Sometimes it's not for tolerance. Sometimes it's just for a mental health break, I think is really important. I found that when I was first starting my channel, especially on Instagram, I was looking at other cannabis 
content creators and influencers. And I couldn't really find anyone that I could relate to. I found a lot of people who were, you know, ripping bongs all day long, who didn't seem to have a normal nine to five job, who were literally just smoking and getting super ripped on YouTube and Instagram. And it just, it felt like, sure, that looks cool. That looks fun. But that's not the kind of life that I'm trying to portray. I'm a very balanced cannabis user. I don't use cannabis throughout the day unless it's CBD just to get me through a stressful point of my day. But in terms of THC use, it's something that I do most days of the week just to relax or have some fun or sleep a little better or just, you know, take care of my overall health. Um, And it also helps me with recovery after a tough workout, you know? So I, I really try to show that cannabis use doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You don't have to be a, a huge like binge user of cannabis. You can just have a little bit every now and then and enjoy a balanced life and have fun with yourself. But also know that when, when you need to take breaks from too much consumption, whether it's just to throttle back your tolerance a little bit or um, just to take care of your mental health. And, and I've communicated with my audience that I take tolerance breaks fairly often or, or take mental health breaks from cannabis often just because I don't ever want to numb some really difficult feelings that I'm trying to work through with cannabis. Because it kind of reminds me of alcohol a little bit. Some people will drink just to kind of numb the pain of their work week or numb whatever feelings they're going through. And I think that's a dangerous game. Um, And using THC in the same way to numb whatever pain you're going through is not going to force you to grow as a human being and to really face your problems head on. So having a clear mind and taking a break from, from any type of cannabis use, I think is another huge part of being a responsible user so that you're, you know, developing your own mental well-being instead of just covering and ignoring the things that you need to work on through whatever substance you choose to use. Yeah, I think that's such an important perspective. I worry sometimes like about where the cannabis industry is going as far as like isolating THC to these super strong, you know, super strong isolates or just like, you know, breeding plants to have like the highest percentage of THC and you know we don't it's so understudied we don't really know like what that can do to us in the long term but then on the other hand uh, cannabis especially like for me dealing with chronic pain has been so helpful in that way and can truly be a medicine and so like destigmatizing in that way without going to like the extreme I think is such an important thing for people to see And, you know, from both sides to see like, okay, maybe I need to be more aware of how I'm using this substance. And then to be like, oh, well, maybe all people who use the substance aren't necessarily how I perceive them to be. Yeah, everyone is going to use cannabis in a different way. And I think it's, it's good to, you know, respect how people choose to use cannabis, whether it's for pain management or just having fun or whatever it is. And every strain and every type of product is going to affect people a little bit differently. It takes a lot of time to get to know what's right for you, but, but it's a fun thing to explore and to learn about. And being a conscious user is something that's really important to me. And I try to just convey that message through my content and what I choose to talk about on my stories. Yeah. 
Well, Nicole, I think Dope Kitchen is so much more than just weed, so much more than just cooking. It's really, truly you that make these videos awesome, and we appreciate your content. We're excited to see what you have planned for the rest of the summer and the year. Do you want to plug anything for our audience or just remind everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. So um, again, you can find me on TikTok at dope underscore kitchen. You can find me on Instagram at dope underscore underscore kitchen. I have um, a website that's kind of in the works that has some of my recipes and it's live at dopekitchen.co. But I also have an ebook. So if you're someone who is struggling to find fun things to cook in the kitchen, you can check it out at the link in any of my social bios. I have some merchandise if you're a big fan. That's also at the link in my bio. But then just follow me on all socials and stay tuned for all of the fun things that I have planned in the next couple of months. I have a question about one of the fun things you have planned. Where will the food prep list competition all the data you've been collecting on all of the prepackaged foods. I can't think of what the word is, but where is that information? The meal kits, where, where can we find that? Is that going to be on TikTok? It'll be on, um, I'll probably post a link in my link in bio for anyone to easily access it. I have two more services to review. I've taken a little bit of a break because it was a lot of boxes that I was <laughs> So I have two more services to review and then I'm going to compile all of my notes. So I'm hoping to have that ready in the next like two weeks. Oh, awesome. I'm just a little slow, <laughs> but it'll be up. So just follow my Instagram stories and you will find it in the next couple of weeks. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it because you're doing metrics on cost efficiency, sustainability, freshness of ingredients. Like it's really the information you want to know and from such a trusted source. So I'll be uh, whatever, like notifications on. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening. It's been a pleasure. Hell yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so fun to talk to you both. Hi, folks. Taylor and Jacqueline here. We just wanted to meet you at the end of the episode and once again say thank you so much to Nicole from Dope Kitchen for a great conversation. We are buzzing after chatting with her. If you appreciated the things Nicole talked about and you'd like to continue this conversation more, Taylor and I would both like to share some online resources we have about conscious and responsible cannabis usage. For me on Instagram, you can find them at buyweedfromwomen. Um, It's an online initiative to support women in the cannabis industry. Um, They have some really cool merch and a really great Instagram. So that would be my recommendation, passing it off to Taylor. Yeah, and also check out The Last Prisoner Project. They're working to liberate everyone in prison for cannabis-related offenses. And, you know, cat's out of the bag now. We can't wait to talk more about cannabis with you all. Um, We think there's important discussions to be had around there. And we're glad we could kick it off with Nicole. So if you're interested, if you like this episode, if you'd like to hear more, let us know what you think. As always, shoot us an Instagram, DM, whatever you want to do. You know, we drop new episodes every other Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of our community and the chaos. If you want to stay up to date with us, be signed up for that email list, y'all, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, Jacqueline. Bye, Taylor.